Life can always use more Cedar Point. And right now, you can get more Cedar Point for less with the Fun Day Bundle. Each bundle saves you more than 35% on admission, parking, and dining for one low price. That means more coasters like Steel Vengeance and Millennium Force, and even more excitement with the Cedar Point Parade and Spectacular. But you better hurry because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to amazon.com apply. That's amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And good evening, one and all. Welcome to the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and our family of broadcast affiliates around the world and networks, including iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, exone at exxoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. 
My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is James Schwartz. He is a certified, board-certified hypnotherapist and an L- NLP practitioner. He is certified by the National Guild of Hypno- Hypno- Hypnotists and a member of the Colorado Association of Psychotherapists. James is the founder and director of the Rocky Mountain Hypnotherapy Center in Lakewood, Colorado, and is uh, certified in complementary medical hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, and hypnobirthing. A graduate of Cal State Dominguez Hills and San, uh, San Diego State University, James is a gifted uh, teacher, speaker, writer, and musician. Joining me now is James Schwartz. And James, welcome to the Exxon. Oh, thank you for having me on the show. Tell us about your book, uh, One Voice, Sacred Wisdom. The way the book came about is that I spent about two years having clients in hypnosis sessions communicate with their guides. Mm -hmm. And those guides could be angels, they could be spirit guides, ancestors, animal guides, whatever felt comfortable for the client. So the client would bring in these guides and then I would ask questions like, what happens when we die? Is there such a thing as karma? How do we heal ourselves? And so the responses that I got from these clients became the book One Voice Sacred Wisdom. So that's how I I put the book together with that information, and that's how it came to be. Now, where did your interest in hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming and the other modalities that you are an expert in come from? Well, I think I originally just started the hypnosis practice I I don't want to say on a whim, but I just didn't know if that was something that was going to be my calling or not. I took some coursework and studied and then Mm -hmm. opened up my practice. And originally, I had no idea I was going to go into kind of the spiritual realm, which I did here. But what happened was I I had a lot of contacts in the Denver area who were looking for someone to help women with infertility. And actually, they sent me all these infertility clients and... I, I originally I started with about six infertility clients, which sounds weird when you think of hypnosis. You think of smoking and weight yeah, loss, yeah, usually, and yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they sent me these clients, and they were actually pretty difficult cases when I look back on it. But all six of them got pregnant, and all six of them went on to have full-term pregnancies, healthy babies, and so they started telling everyone. And before I knew it, I was kind of running a center initially that was hypnosis for for fertility work. You've you've uh, asked questions about the mysteries of life, uh, James, like why uh-huh. are we here? What is the nature of God? What happens when we die? What are some of the answers that you've been able to get from these questions? Well, usually what I started with was the, the question about what is the nature of God? And mm-hmm. I had to be very careful about the way I worded that. So I didn't plant an idea and, and, and put that out there or a suggestion. So I would say things like, you know, we have these mm-hmm. terms for things like God or universe or creator or source. Yeah. And I would say, what is that? And is, is there such a thing and what is that? And initially the answers came back in such complete agreement that I was kind of amazed. And it's like, well, wait a minute, everybody... There should be some variation here, but even though the wording's a little different and these people are working with different guides, they're coming back and saying really exactly the same thing. And of course, the answer for what is 
the nature of God or mm-hmm. universe was it's all about energy. It's all about consciousness, that we have this energy or consciousness that we all share. Where does that energy reside? Well, it's really in, it's in everything. It's, it's, you, you have to think of it as like in, in every one of us, good people, bad people, it's in all animals, all, everything on, in the universe basically has this energy inside of it. Would this be called the life force? Yes. Mm-hmm. And why do we look at this energy in such a, a mannerism as to profess devotion, profess all of this love to deities instead of just calling it what it is? <laughs> I think that's probably the, the influence that different religions have had on mm-hmm. us over the years and maybe science. Those two things I talk about in the book quite a bit because I think so many of our our ideas about spirituality are really shaped by those two things. The scientists are saying, if we can't see it, we don't believe it. And then in religion, there's a lot of religious dogma or rules that we're told this is what we're supposed to believe and things were ideas that we're supposed to be in alignment with. And it seems like, especially in the last I don't know, three or four decades, I think a lot of people are saying, now, wait a minute, I want to just be able to think for myself and have my own ideas and have my own relationship with spirit. And that's going to be my spirituality instead of following all the rules. Do you think this is why so many people in today's uh, society are turning to alternative uh, religious philosophies like paganism? I think so. I think people are, they, they feel like, especially with the rules, they feel mm-hmm. they're too constrictive. And with a lot of religions, there's there's rules or beliefs that people don't necessarily buy into. And I think there's also a little bit of a rebellion because there have been so many families that have said, this is the religion you have to follow and this yeah. is what you have to believe. And they, they teach that to their kids. And then when the kids get 18, 19, 20, or get into their 20s and 30s, they say, well, those beliefs don't work for me anymore. I need a more, a more creative outlet. I need to be able to think for myself exactly, and I need yeah. to do follow my heart. Sure. We're, we're not sheep anymore. We don't need a shepherd. Exactly. Yeah. Exonation. <laughs> nation, uh, James Schwartz is our special guest and we're talking to James amongst other things uh, this hour. We're going to be talking to James about his book, One Voice, Sacred Wisdom, and his website is onevoicesacredwisdom.com. Before we get into the next segment, which is coming up in about four minutes, uh, James, what is alchemical hypnosis? Well, the first thing I always have to tell people is there's no chemicals involved. Okay. <laughs> it's, the term alchemy goes back a long time, thousands of years. And when you think of alchemy, you think of transmutation yeah. or change. If you remember the old alchemical reference of turning lead into gold. Sure, the Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> there you go. And so the alchemist was eventually became uh, more associated with things like potions and healing. And so that it became a, a word that was connected to healing. Mm-hmm. And then Carl Jung applied it to psychoanalytic methods, where part of the process was working with archetypes or inner guides. And then in hypnosis, and this is kind of in very general terms, it's come to represent a process where the client brings in 
guides that give them advice or counsel in hopes that we can bring positive transformations to their life. So an example of that, originally when I started doing this work might be if someone was struggling, maybe a family member was gonna pass away or Mm -hmm. something and they knew that was coming, we might bring in like a guardian angel to help that person feel better about that whole transition process where they can ask questions and get a new understanding of what it's like in, you know, when somebody does make their transition. But how, but how so, do you know that the guardian angels are really there? How do they know that? Yeah. Well, what we would do when I did the process is in hypnosis, first you start with an induction, which kind of takes them into a hypnosis state. Mm-hmm. And then we would do kind of a deepening process. And I would do something that gets that person to a very sacred spiritual place. That took maybe about 15 or 20 minutes. But then I would let that person bring in whatever guides felt appropriate for them. So with some people, it might be a guardian angel, Mm -hmm. but it might be a ball of energy. It might be an animal totem like a wolf or something else. So this would all depend on the person's spiritual beliefs. If a person doesn't believe in guardian angels, he's not going to get to a place where there's guardian angels. They wouldn't, but you'd be surprised. There were people who, I mean, you have atheists that'll bring in angels, or you'll have um, people who have totally given up Christianity, and then their guide turns out to be Jesus. And so, you're, it, you never know what the person's going to bring up. Whatever, whatever comes in and appears. But how much uh, of this is actually mind over matter and not reality? Well, there were some ways that I could tell to to see if this was what was really happening. Mm-hmm. One of the indications, the best indications was I would have people who would get out of the chair after a hypnosis session and they'd say, I want to tell you what my guide was saying about, you know, you can fill in the blank, say karma. Mm -hmm. I didn't agree with anything they were saying. And so people were actually, they would, they didn't, they disagreed with what their guides were saying. And they would also say things that like the atheists would start talking about, you know, different versions, different things that happen when we make our transition and how we go to these other existences and other planes and stuff. And sometimes I felt like saying, now, wait a minute, you told me you're you're an atheist. You can't believe in any of this stuff. So it was the contradictory information that probably was one of the biggest convincers for me. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Exxon Nation, James Schwartz is our special guest. And if you'd like more information on James, visit his website, at, at uh, onevoicesacredwisdom.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and this is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio Network, Talkstar Radio, let me see, uh, Digital Broadcast Network, Digital Satellite Network, and the list goes on and on and on. Visit us at www.xzbn.net. For a Told me to be strong oh, oh, And don't shed a tear Through the darkness and good times I knew I'd make it through And the world thought I had it all But I... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, 
Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. James uh, Schwartz is our special guest this hour, and his website is onevoicesacredwisdom.com. James, is, is hypnosis similar to what we see in the movies? Oh, gosh, not at all, actually. Um, first of all, it's not mind mm-hmm. control. Okay. And so we can't make our clients go out and rob banks and bring us the money. Right. The second thing is you're not asleep in hypnosis. And think about it. Every every movie you've seen probably says, go to sleep. Yes, exactly. You are getting sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> right. But when you talk to somebody who's asleep, all they do is mumble gibberish. So, of course, they're not asleep. We couldn't. We would never get any work done if that right. was the case. You know, another thing in the movies is people, uh, they come out of it and they go, wow, I don't remember a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's because they were told, go rob banks, bring me the money, and then, oh, yeah, you'll have to forget about it or else they'll know who the bad guy is. So that's not true. And and the other thing is you can't get stuck in trance like they do in some of these movies. So really, if you thought about it, all of those things, we wouldn't be able to practice if any of those things were true. They would be illegal. Sure. So, so yeah. what is the physiology of, of the hypnotic state? When you put somebody under hypnosis, what happens to their mind? Well, really what we're trying to do is get the conscious or critical mind, that's the thinking mind, mm-hmm. to, to kind of step aside and get out of the way so we can just work with the subconscious mind. And so the difference in between the two is if I'm working with a client who maybe has uh, anxiety issues or something, and if I said to the conscious mind, when did this anxiety start? They're going to probably pick a time, who knows, you know, high school or something. They'll say I was getting bullied in 10th grade or whatever. But if you go back 
in hypnosis, you can go back in time and you work with the subconscious mind and that might locate the actual moment that happened might be like in preschool, the first day of preschool when Mm -hmm. mother drops them off and leaves in the car and they figure I'm never going to see mother again. And they bring in this anxiety and that's the start of it. But you would never know that unless you used hypnosis to get there. So it gets the conscious or critical thinking mind out of the way so we can work with the subconscious mind, which is what holds on to the roots of the, the source of all the, the issues and things that are going on inside of us. So when you say that you, you know the, the person doesn't go to sleep, yeah. if they are aware of their surroundings, if they are aware right. of, of the, the fact that you are a hypnotist and that you are using hypnosis to help them in one way or another, wouldn't their mind automatically kick in and say, hey, wait a minute, something is wrong here. I am no longer in control of my, of my state of mind. Well, they are fully in control. So that's, I mean, you can think of the hypnotist as more of the guide. So they really are in control. Um, it's just sort of they're in kind of like a, almost like a meditative okay. state is probably the best way to compare it. It's like a lot of your listeners have probably listened to things like uh, relaxation tapes. It's that kind of state. Mm-hmm. But there's ways where it's just like the conscious critical mind is not really on guard. It's just kind of sort of taking a little rest while the subconscious mind is doing the work. And I think a lot of the people, when they come to see someone like me, they're really determined to work on whatever's going on, heal their issues or heal their physical disharmonies or whatever. And so they're trying really hard not to get in the way. Now, the person who's really controlling, Mm -hmm. if they want, they can absolutely put a block up and block hypnosis or anything happening in the session. Is it true that under hypnosis, a person will, uh, first of all, if they don't want to do something, they won't? Absolutely. Yeah. You have, you don't lose your moral compass or anything like that. So, and when you see those stage shows and things like that, you, you can, a a hypnotist could have somebody sing a, a song from a, a Broadway musical and the person would probably do it, you know, especially if they are an aspiring singer or something. But if you ever said something like, okay, now go rob a bank, they would immediately come out of hypnosis and they would, they would be done. Session be over. And, and of course, if the person had never seen a Broadway show, what would they do? Uh, well, they you, that might be a problem. Then you'd have to have them do something besides sing a, a tune. But I know that's something they use sometimes in stage shows. How does hypnosis circumvent uh, addiction? Like if wow. you if you're addicted to nicotine, if you're addicted to um, prescription drugs, how would going to see a hypnotist like yourself? How would mm-hmm. that work when the body has built a dependency on this? Uh, habit? Well, a lot of times what you can look at is what's pushing that person to use drugs or alcohol or nicotine, whatever. There might be an element where maybe they feel like this helps relax me. And so if you can help them work with the anxiety or the stress that they have Mm -hmm. or the fears, that might take away some of their need to use those substances or if there's another thing if it's about escape or whatever you might have to go okay what are you really trying to escape in life and those are the kind of things you can work out so you're you're working with the issues that might be pushing somebody to use substances um 
So hypnosis is nothing like the, the shows that the great ravine used to put on. <laughs> it's no. <laughs> Was it hard for your, for you as, as an individual to, to try and get people to understand that there's a big difference between the stage magician and the certified therapeutical uh, hypnotist like yourself? I think it's, you do have some people who've maybe seen stage shows or they, they're basing their beliefs on what they've seen in the movies. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the hypnotist will have what they call a pre-talk with that individual and explain not only here's the, the misconceptions and here are the truths about hypnosis, but also we'll give them a little sample. Like I usually take a couple minutes and have people experience light hypnosis first, and then we can kind of do a little check-in and say, all right, you know, were you asleep during any of that process? And the person will say no. And sometimes I'll even joke with them and say, if I had told you, hey, there's a bank on the corner with lots of money in it, go get that money and bring it back to me, would you have done it? And they'll start laughing and I'll say, well, you see how silly those, those things are that you've seen in the shows. When on TV, the, the, uh, the person used to use a, a pendulum or a watch, what, mm -hmm. what is actually, what is the use of that? Or is this just a stage prop? And that's more of a stage prop than anything. And, and you, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Remember I talked about that induction. Yes. There's a lot of different ways you can induce in hypnosis. And that's, that's really more of a stage movie kind of thing. I've never used a, a watch in my life or a pendulum actually with any of these sessions. Um, there's a lot of other ways that you can get people into a hypnotic state that feel more comfortable. That feels a little more controlling, mm -hmm. I think, to people, too, if you pull out a stopwatch. How long does it take you to put somebody into a deep hypnotic state? Well, the first time, it's probably about a 15-minute process, mm -hmm. the first time I work with someone. After that, I do what's called instant um, inductions. And you you may, some, people, some of your listeners might have seen these on TV where what you do is you, you basically put the hand, your hand really quickly on someone's forehead and you say a word that just is kind of like tells them to just relax immediately. And so yeah. that only takes about 15 seconds. And I don't do that for the dramatics. I do it because if, if we can do something really quick like that, then we've got 15 more minutes to work on whatever issue is important to them. So they really, they get more for their money that way, essentially. So does that mean in the first session you implant this um, suggestion that when you put your hand on their forehead and say the magic word, they will bang, go back into a hypnotic state? Um, well, you might suggest something like each time you mm -hmm. go into hypnosis, you go a little deeper and right. a little faster and a little easier. Yeah, you can say something like that. And it's just putting a little suggestion in their mind. But I, it seems like after people have achieved hypnosis the first time, they usually like that state because it's pretty relaxing. And so they're like eager to, to experience it again. Mm -hmm. And they usually feel like if we can do this faster and we can get to deeper issues, they're all in with that. Why is there such a controversy about the, the actual working and the success of hypnosis patients? Um, well, if I, I think one of the issues is there's, there's, we have a lot of success in what we do. And mm -hmm. so I think there's sort of a pushback okay. from sometimes more of the 
traditional modalities, you know, there's maybe sometimes a pushback from Western medical or the pharmaceutical companies, or even sometimes um, certain states will have trouble with the, the different boards that are certify psychotherapists, that kind of thing, because um, in a sense, they we are competition, I guess. And so they, and we have pretty high success rates. I mean, when you think about it, somebody will go see it, uh, do talk therapy, mm-hmm. or they'll get on a drug or something, and they might do that for a year or two to see if it's going to work or not. And with a hypnotist, a lot of times they're like, oh, I'm in it for three or four sessions, and that's as much as I'm going to do. So if they don't get some results pretty fast, they feel like, okay, I'm going to move on to something else. What's the basic difference between a psychotherapist and a hypnosis master like yourself? Well, they're, I mean, actually in, um, I can't remember our terminology in Colorado, where I think something like registered psychotherapists or something that is how they term, they they use the terminology for us. Um, I guess with psychotherapists, the one difference is a lot of, some of the psychotherapists have doctorate degrees Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily required for a hypnotist. Gotcha. All righty. You and I have to take a break coming up very shortly. But before we do, I would just like to remind our listeners that if they'd like to get a copy of the X Chronicles newspaper online with our compliments, all they have to do is go to www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. Exonation, my guest this hour is James Schwartz, and he is the author of One Voice Sacred Wisdom. It's a book about communications with our guides, angels, spirits, and totems. The information was gathered through a process of a process called alchemical hypnosis that we talked about in the first segment. James, the author and board-certified hypnotherapist, spent two years recording sessions in which his hypnosis clients would communicate directly with their guides. If you'd like to find out more about James, if you'd like to get a copy of his book, www. OneVoiceSacredWisdom.com. That's www.OneVoiceSacredWisdom.com. And James and I will be back on the other side of this break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, check out www.xzbn.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. James Schwartz is our guest this hour. www.onevoicesacredwisdom.com. James, when did you know that you were onto something exciting? James, are you there? Whoops. Consistency of the answers. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't matter if I had, if the client was a Catholic, yeah. an atheist, a Jew, metaphysical. They were saying a lot of the same things, and it didn't matter if they're if they were talking to an angel or a spirit guide or an ancestor or wolf or ball of energy. Mm-hmm. The the answers would be the same. And when you think about it, if you ask people on the street what happens when we die, you could ask ten people and probably have four or five different answers. Right. But when you ask, I asked like maybe a hundred guides, and I would get the exact same answer maybe ninety eight times out of a hundred. Well, let me ask you, what happens when we die? Well, basically, the physical body falls away. Right. That, that does die away. But our energy, our essence, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. continues on. And it's interesting because I would ask these guides, well, continues on where? What, what happens? And they, that's when they started talking about other dimensions, other realms, other universes, all this Things I really wasn't expecting, actually, when I started asking these questions. And what about the angels? Are the angels always the same angels, or do they vary? Oh, quite a bit of variance in all these, yeah. So different kinds of angels. Some people will have work with archangels, mm-hmm. but and sometimes the angel might just be um, just really bright light, where people can just make out sort of the figure of an angel um, or the shape of an angel, but all different forms and sizes and shapes, absolutely. What part does a person's uh, religious philosophical views play in this process? Well, and that's, I would ask each client before the session Mm -hmm. what they believed in terms of spirituality or what they didn't believe, because I did work with several people who didn't believe anything. Mm -hmm. And 
I really expected there to be this really strong alignment. If somebody was, say, a, a strong Catholic, they would talk about heaven, things mm -hmm. like that with the guide. And it wasn't that way at all. It didn't, the answers coming back did not align with what the person's personal beliefs were in the pre-talk interview. So there was this really this strong contradiction with that, right. but an amazing consistency in the way the answers came from the guides, though. What information is, is retrieved from the patient in the pre-event talk that you do with them? Well, in this case, I wanted to know just a little bit about their background, but kind of like what you said, I wanted to know what their what religion mm -hmm. maybe they had been exposed to early on if they had, if they what were their spiritual beliefs at this point in their life. And um, that was the main thing I wanted to know where it was just kind of what their personal beliefs were. And, and there were times, you know, you asked earlier if, if how do I know this was authentic? Yeah. And once in a while you'd get somebody who would get into the chair and they they would start their answers with, well, I think, or I believe, or yeah. whatever. Then I would know, okay, this is one I'm going to have to throw out one of the interviews because they're not listening to their guide. They're trying to tell me what they believe. There weren't too many of those, but there were a few. Um, were your sessions conducted mostly on men or women of a specific age? What was the common, what was the common uh, thread between all the people that you saw? I really tried to get a pretty wide variety from all different religions, mm -hmm. People who had different philosophical perspectives. I, the youngest person was like 17. I had some people as old as you know in their 80s that that did this. And men and women, I tried to balance that as yeah. much as I could. And so all different beliefs, all different walks of life, different races. I really tried to to mix it up, so that you know if I had done this with just say only metaphysical people or whatever, then that might have really skewed the results. Sure. So I tried to get a, a wide range. How did you find these people? Well, at first, I I just started working with a few to mm -hmm. see, oh, let me back up, I guess. Sure. I should say, I've been doing the alchemical process where people bring in and work with guides for a long time. And I just started to expand it and ask more questions. And when I started to notice the consistency, that's when I thought, okay, I need to do some sessions just specifically with this process in mind and see what happens. And I started with the few first, oh, I don't know, four or five people. And people had the opportunity in the session to, sometimes they, they, would, they got an opportunity to meet their guides or angels and communicate with them. I would ask sometimes questions that maybe they were interested in. And then sometimes also let them experience or feel that light or love or energy that's that these guides could could facilitate. Mm -hmm. And so the people who did the first four or five sessions said, this is really awesome. And so they would start telling other people and then I'd have people calling me or would want to come in and do the sessions as well. And then I I did ask a few clients if there was somebody like if I felt like, oh, I need someone from this age group mm -hmm. or somebody from this religion. So there were a few people I asked as well, but word kind of got out and a lot of people were really interested in the project and wanted to volunteer. What were some of the uh, findings that you, that you came across during this project that just blew you away? Well, the biggest thing was about parallel planes. I 
didn't really believe in parallel planes. Mm -hmm. And I have watched different videos. I've read things trying to get that some kind of explanation that made sense to me about parallel planes. And I just didn't buy into it. Right. And then when the guides started really talking about that, when mm -hmm. I would ask about death, they would mention these other planes, existences, universes, dimensions. And then I start asking, well, are those just one after the other? Is it a consecutive thing or is it really something that we're experiencing multiple dimensions, multiple planes at the same time? And they said multiple. And okay, I thought, okay, that's really strange. But the, I would ask clients these questions and there were three different ways they could respond. One, some clients would actually channel the guide and which was interesting because they start speaking with maybe a different accent, different intonation, different breathing patterns, everything about them changes like another person kind of comes inside. So some answered that way. Some of them just simply would answer a question with their, by what they would hear from their guide. But then a third group, the guides would actually take the person to another place to experience something. So for example, I had one woman, I said, how do we make the, how do we get the world to be a better, more conscious place? Mm -hmm. And she goes, okay, well, he took me to this place where there's this circle of people and we're all holding hands and we're singing or we're praying. And, and that's the answer to your question is that it's really about changing our consciousness. And, but anyway, I, I get to this one guide or one client with her guide and I was asking about parallel planes and all of a sudden she just kind of lit up and she's going, ah, he took me there. He took me to a different plane and it's very high and it's very light. And I'm saying, well, well tell me what, what happened. And she's, she even said, it's like the frequency, it's, it's really high and it's really hard to talk. And the vibration is different. It's hard for me to get used to. And, and then she goes, well, so that's how he's answering your question. He took me there and he mm -hmm. says, this is where I work at night. And so even though I'm on the earth physically, I can be in different planes at the same time. And so once that happened, I figured the door was open. I was going to start asking the client. If the client and the guide were willing, we're going to go to some of the other planes and check it out. Don't you find it rather amazing that you were able to find all these people who could channel? Like, don't, don't, uh, don't the odds just kind of beg to be disputed? Well, it's funny because in there's people will channel mm -hmm. in hypnosis. It's but it only happens. Oh gosh, I mean, maybe in the past I would see it once a year or something. So it wasn't how, very common. So how and you, then all of a sudden, yeah. and these were people who had never done hypnosis before, never knew they could channel. Mm -hmm. Some of them didn't even, you know, they they just weren't aware that they could do this at all. And it's just. I don't know if it was part of the process where I took them to the spiritual place, but it's just, it's, it, I was, it wasn't like a scary thing or anything. It's just like, let's just make it easy. And the guide will just talk through me kind of. So the guide didn't talk through you. The guide talked through your patients. Right. Exactly. Yep. Now who was in the room when you were doing this, uh, this session? In terms of like observers, you yes, mean, or yeah. you mean guides? Yeah. Observers. Um, I did kind of as a control, I did have um, a hypnotherapy uh, associate come and witness some of what the work that I did. Most of the time, 
what I did, it was me and the client, and mm -hmm. then I would record the session. Okay. So there was no independent validation? No, it's not like there was an independent agency watching everything, no. Or, or another professional, for example, a Western doctor or, or somebody else who could be an independent witness? Um, like I said, only in, in some of the sessions mm -hmm. I did have some, uh, you know, an associate that was watching and observing as well. Once you found out this, this uh, ability to get your clients or patients to the um, spiritual realm, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you call in other people to, to bear witness to this discovery? Hmm. I guess I really, I didn't, I, I wasn't really thinking of doing this like as a, a scientific study. I think I was just doing it to really get the information. I think my, mm -hmm. my goal was not, can I convince people that this really happened? It was more about, can we increase the consciousness of our, our society? Can we, and so I guess my thinking was really more focused on this information could really help a lot of people. And that was what was most important to me, I guess, more so than trying to say, let's really sure. document everything that we're doing. But isn't, it, isn't your book, One Voice, Sacred Wisdom, based on these uh, interviews? Yes. Uh -huh. This is why I was asking for the outside validation. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm sitting here saying, geez, getting all these people to start channeling, what are the odds? You know, these, well, are, these are questions that I ask. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not, I'm, not doubt, I'm not doubting you. All I'm saying yeah. is where's the validation? Mm-hmm. And it's something that could be validated. I, you know, it's not like mm -hmm. this was only this one segment in time and it could never right. these results could never be reproduced it it could easily be reproduced again i don't have any doubt about it i've could, done this work a lot even since the book could the so could a could a different hypno, hypnotist do the same thing that you've done they probably could i think there's some important pieces that need to go in place with this all right, I, I, hate to cut, I hate to cut you off, but I've got to take my final break here. Please stand by. Great talking to you. James okay. Schwartz is our guest. One Voice Sacred Wisdom. We'll be back. Don't go away. The earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet, viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself? finding safe passage through challenging times. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family. Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow are a series of online adult and children's lessons instructing your entire family on natural law, how to cooperate with and be supported by the powers of the universe. Visit findyourpathhome.com to find these unique and powerful classes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, 
Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, just for you keeping track, uh, let me see. The first song that we played tonight was uh, by Celine Dion, A New Day Has Come, followed by Left Bank, Walk Away Renee, followed by Melissa Manchester, You Should Hear What They Say About You. And our last song uh, this hour that started this hour is Men Without, Hat- Men Without Hats, uh, Our House. James Schwartz, our special guest for this hour, www.onevoice, Sacred Wisdom. And... Um, you know, other, uh, many other authors have written books about channeling. But I must say, this is the first book that I am aware of where all the people in the book were channeling under hypnosis. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Not all were channeling. No, no, no. There's just a segment of them were channeling. They were communicating with their guides. Listen. Yeah, maybe I didn't make that clear. But what? no, there was a segment who would channel, but... Well, what's no, the difference probably. between communicating with a guide and channeling? Well, in a communication, it could be a conversation almost like we're having right here, where I would ask a question, right. and the client would hear the answer from the guide and then relay the answer to me. The channeling part is where the guide or energy is kind of speaking through that client. But in any case, the information is coming from an out, uh, out from a third party then. Right. And that's what that's how I wanted this book to be different is that other other authors who've done books where they channeled information, mm-hmm. a lot of those are good. They're intriguing and everything. But they're taking that information from a single source, which is, you know, through the author. And they I feel like 
that information could be colored or influenced by the author's beliefs. Whereas in this case, I've had, you know, maybe hundreds of clients communicate with their guides and I'm taking the information that's kind of the consensus or the best answers to these questions. And those are the ones that I'm including in the, in the book. So I'm not channeling the information. I'm, you know, you're having the guides work with or the, the clients work with their guides. But I'm, and I'm to answer your question before, mm. too, I did have another hypnotist come in to see, can we duplicate these right. results? And we were able to do that, too, by the way. Did the other hypnotist uh, have success, or did you? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. And in fact, in one of that, those sessions, mm -hmm. one of the, the clients was channeling. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm still having a bit of a problem understanding uh, the difference between channeling and communicating, because as far as I understand, when somebody channels, they get the information from the other side and relay it to the person who's asking the questions via the conduit or the, or the, uh, the person that's, that's, that's conducting, well, not conducting the channeling session, but the person who is the communication link between the questions being asked and the other side itself. In channeling, it's like the the guide is speaking directly through that client. So that's where it'll there'll be a change in intonation, a change in phrasing, maybe a slight accent. Um, phrasing will be different. So in other words, it's like a voice is speaking through that person who's in the chair. Right. Okay. Now that was maybe, you know, say 25%. Let's say we'll just say 25% of the people were maybe doing that 75% of them, I would ask a question mm -hmm. and they would check in with their guardian angel say, or maybe their spirit guide. And they would say, okay, my Indian guide is telling me that when we die, this is what happens. So in other words, they would be having like a conversation or like I talked about that, uh, that those situations where, the guide would actually take the person to experience a scene mm -hmm. so they could experience it firsthand. And then they would, the client would tell me, this is where the guide took me and this is what's going on. What are the chances that what the, the information that you're actually is getting is from the person's very own memory from something that they have seen mm -hmm. or heard on television, a book they've read, the radio show that they've heard? Well, the, the problem with that is that a lot of people, I mean, if I had asked a lot of these people who mm -hmm. weren't necessarily spiritual or atheists or something, and I had asked them about, say, parallel planes, mm -hmm. they would have probably, if they answered it off the top of their head or from their own experience, would have said, well, I don't really know about parallel planes or what that is or how that works. But you never get that answer from the guides. It's always this pretty involved answers usually. And even with an, a simple question, like what happens when we die? Mm -hmm. If we ask 10 people that question, some would say, oh, you go to heaven. I, I agree. Some, I agree. If you ask them in a conscious yeah. state where they're right. not as relaxed uh, as, as you, as a hypnotist can actually make them feel. And is it possible that there's some sort of mechanism in the brain that we have yet to identify that will allow these people to access past memories, past recall, shows they've seen, movies they've, he, topics they've heard about, and that this is what the source of the information coming out to you is, and it has nothing to do with spirits or angels. Hmm. I, I 
highly doubt that just because some of the answers were so they were in such alignment. I mean, mm-hmm. if what you're saying, if that was true, then the answers would still be quite varied. And I would a lot of these questions, again, say what happens when we die. I would you wouldn't get 98 answers out of 100 that were all similar. You would get maybe um, three or four different streams of answers that would go in different directions. And so mm. that's why it, it felt like there was a consistency in the answers that I think was really the key to this. All right, but you're also saying that it may have something to do with it. What do you mean? Well, um, <laughs> how can you prove... Let me, let me just get to the, the meat of the question. How can you prove that these people were actually talking to angels or guides? How do you prove it? There's, a, there? the, there's a theory out there through the neuroscientific community that, you know, believe that people have the ability to, to have a group consciousness mm-hmm. and tap into other people's data banks. And, and they... Oh, you know, and it just could be something that we haven't yet discovered. And of course, we, when we don't understand something, our brain f- fills in the pieces. Hmm. Well, and there could be tapping into a collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the reasons I call the, one, the, the book One Voice Sacred Wisdom is because the answers were so much in alignment. And again, different wording, different phrasing, different situations, that kind of thing. But the consistency in the answers were so remarkable. It's like we were tapping into some sort of universal source. Let me ask you this question. Did you know the answers to the questions that you were asking prior to asking them to the, uh, to the client? Absolutely not. And I, you know, with, I, I said, like, I didn't believe in parallel planes. Mm-hmm. I fully believed in karma when I asked the questions about karma. Yeah. And then here I got told, no, not really. There isn't karma. Not like what you guys believe, not the old eye for the eye, tooth for the tooth kind of thing. That's not the way it works. So there was a lot of surprises for me. And actually, for me, I called it sort of like a journey of discovery, because mm-hmm. a lot of these questions, I really didn't know. I wanted to know for myself sure. what happens when we die. So how do you how do you validate these answers that you were given? I think, you know, like I said, there were there were some sessions that were witnessed, but no, 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 I, no, I no, that's if, not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is yeah. if you asked a question, a metaphysical question, mm-hmm. and the person gave you the answer from quote unquote their guide, how would you validate the response to the question that you asked allegedly coming from a guide or an angel? Well, I was recording the sessions, if that's, and so documenting it that no, no, way, no, no, if that's no, what no, you're no. saying. But no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm asking is, you ask a question. Now, you said mm-hmm. to me a few minutes ago that you did not know the answer to the questions that you were asking. Mm-hmm. So let's say, let's say I, was your, I was your patient, and you said, Rob, what, what do you think, uh, you know, ask your guide what, uh, you know, dying is like. And I say, just a moment, I speak to my guide, and my, I come back to you, and I give you the answer. How do you know the answer that I allege, coming from a guide, I am now rela- you know, relaying to you, that that is the right answer. I I mean, is it, can I prove that? Probably not. I guess the, what what at least struck me mm-hmm. personally when I did this work was when when your answer is similar to the next person and the person after that, and you know, I've got 
maybe 50 or 100 people in a row that mm-hmm. talk about, they give me extension, extensive explanations of parallel planes and things. I don't know that 50 people off the street could give answers like that based on their own, you know, old memories or old experiences or anything. I, w- I would expect that if I asked 50 people about parallel planes, mm-hmm. that most of them would say, I don't really know anything about that. Hey, James, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Exonation James Schwartz has been our guest this hour. He's the author of One Voice Sacred Wisdom, and his website is www.onevoicesacredwisdom.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour with more from the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology on the Exxon Broadcast Network, as well as our networks and affiliates around the world, and of course, iHeartRadio. Sister's saying in her sleep Brother's got a date to keep you cottoning around Our house in the middle of our street Our house in the middle of our Our house, it has a crowd There's always something happening And it's usually quite loud Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 